0: Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with Femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Brittany Barreto, and I want to tell you about an upcoming event at Femtech Focus. Do you actually know the anatomy of the vagina? Like, where's the urethra? Where exactly is the cervix? Where's the hymen? Does it actually pop? Spoiler alert, there is no such thing as popping a cherry. Dr. Julie Hakeem gives us a lesson on the anatomy of the female reproductive system. We're dropping this episode on Monday, October 19th, and that same day, we're going to do a live listening party. So at 4 p.m. Central Time, tune in via Zoom, and Dr. Julie and I will be answering questions and making comments about the episode with you live. Register for the free event at femtechfocus.org. Already Fem fans, today's interview is with Abby Stern and Savira Dogger, manager and director, respectively, of Women's Health Initiative at HitLab. HitLab is a research, advisory, and educational organization all focused on the digital health space. HitLab is particularly interested in supporting femtech in women's health innovation, so twice a year, they actually host a femtech pitch competition where there is money on the line. Applications for their November 19th competition close on Monday, October 19th, same day as our listening party, and um, first place winner this time around is going to be $10,000, so apply for your startup to potentially win this cash money at hitlab.org. Hey, HitLab ladies, welcome to the show. Hi, thank
1: you for having us.
0: I so am much. very honored to have both of you on today. I actually think this is our first three-person episode. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, let's see for if this high works. Honor. <laughs> let's see if this works. I think it'll work. I think it'll work. Well, this will this will be really fun. But um, so we have Abby and Severa here from Hit Lab. You ladies are leading the women's health initiative over there. And uh, FemTech Focus actually partnered with you on your on your last uh, pitch competition, right?
2: Yes, um, part of our virtual boot camp and helping us, um, you know, mentor the the challenge finalists. And so we are so thankful for that partnership.
0: So cool. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was great. That was probably honestly the first. Real partnership, FemTech Focus got into where I like told the team my interns like, "Oh my god, we're partnered mm-hmm. with someone!" So it's really cool <laughs> to. <laughs> I was like, "We are something. We're we're we are something that to the Happy point that partner. we can partner." You know, <laughs> right? No, oh
2: my god, your your background specifically in the work that FemTech Focus is doing is so aligned with what we hope oh. to you know, provide for our challenge finalists, especially, but for all the startups that we work with. So.
0: I would call it a perfect partnership. Perfect. (laughs) Sorry, my dog is here. He's, uh, he with That's a very tail. strong tail <laughs> so he's knocking essentially in the wall um Davi and I
2: both have ginormous dogs, <laughs> dogs that are
0: bigger than us so we struggle with it on every oh my dog. gosh I'm holding his tail right now so it doesn't bang against the wall sorry <laughs> listeners um well let's get into your backgrounds you know a lot of our listeners you know you don't grow up saying I'm gonna be in femtech maybe nowadays young people will but We didn't, right? We didn't even know what that word was. And so um, can you each take a turn telling us about your background? What did you study? Where are you from? And how did you end up here?
2: Sure, I can go first. Um, So my background is primarily in maternal and child health and early childhood health research and programming. So I've worked um, in research labs for New York City, um, for nonprofits, really just um, understanding health inequities in the US through the lens of moms and babies, effectively, and families. Um and I never ever planned to go into tech. Um but since joining HitLab, it's been so fun for me because a lot of the kind of bureaucratic processes that we see in traditional kind of research um and programming or into public health interventions, uh, we see a lot of those kind of barriers negated in tech and everything mm-hmm. moves so quickly and there's so much innovation. Um, so I, I got my master's in public health a few years ago, and that really helped me to understand um, why our healthcare system and our health inequities look the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love being part of, you know, femtech specifically, because it's, it's looking at how we, you know, take down those obstacles or, or kind of navigate them to help women better understand their own health, their own
0: bodies, and get better quality care, too. I love yeah. it. And Sabira, where where are you from? What have you studied and how'd you end up here? Yeah, so my background is in the clinical trial space, um, specifically in
1: quality and patient safety, um, as well as health promotions. And part of that is, you know, bringing in the real world evidence, product development, things around that. And that's really where my passion grew, specifically in the technology space, but then, you know, pivoting into femtech, um, being a female, you know, women's health is a passion of mine and, you know, seeing that there are so many gaps within the, the data and real world evidence and the scientific knowledge, it, it's important that we do you know, advocate for it and have a voice in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, my educational background is in health policy and economics. Um, I got my master's from Cornell University. And that's really where I looked into some of the, the gaps in healthcare care, um, and what
0: we as um, a nation are doing to really address them. Um, yeah, I love it. You both came from like these, this uh, general public health, background right and the thing Mm -hmm. I always end the show with uh in improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness right because women don't just birth women uh (laughs) women don't just live with women right there's like if you improve a, a woman's uh health and her mental health her physical health her spiritual health emotional health like you're improving that kid's health. You're improving, you know, her, yeah. her job and therefore the economy. Yeah. And like, so I love that you're both from this like general public health and then you zoned in on the women. Cause it, it's kind of the same, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we both feel really strongly that women's health is human health and it's yeah. important to take this like super holistic perspective. And then especially when I was, studying public health from like an academic perspective, you can say anything is public health, right? So <laughs> you can say housing, you know, the food that kids eat in school cafeterias, mm-hmm. any aspect of life can be related to public health. Yeah.
0: Yes, <laughs> And yes, once yes.
2: those kind of deeper you go, the more in, in, passionate you get about it because you just learn more and that can all be applied to women's health.
0: That's
1: right. So I think
2: that's where, you know, our passion kind of stems from mm-hmm. and, and how, it, how,
1: importantly feel that this field is okay That's completely I mean echoing what Abby said I think many times when people hear women's health they just pinpoint and focus on reproductive health yeah or um Pregnancy and and motherhood, but women's health is well beyond that. You know, it's cardiovascular disease, it's it's diabetes, it's it's you know pelvic disease, it's it's everything around you know the entire body, um, including mental health. Um, yep. And these are all things that just get passed over when thinking and looking into women's health and that's something that we we try to focus on as part of the initiatives you know looking just beyond that reproductive and, and pregnancy but you're really encompassing the entire woman
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. to you know for many many millennia women have been seen as mostly a uterus for <laughs> pumping out babies you know one of the things when I first got into femtech was I was looking at like the like any women's hospital and I was like, what departments do they have there? And I was like, oh my God, women's hospitals are most, mostly birthing centers. Like yeah. I don't, <laughs> like they should just call it birthing center, <laughs> like a baby yeah. hospital, you know, <laughs> like newborn hospital. Because if it's really a really woman's hospital, shouldn't they have like an Alzheimer's research lab and bone health mm-hmm. and all this other right. stuff? Anyways, um, obviously all of my listeners know I have a lot of opinions. But um, <laughs> Good ones. <laughs> <laughs> backed by data, by the way. Backed by yeah. data. Um, mm-hmm. So tell, tell us about HitLab. So you both work at HitLab and you both work in the Women's Health Tech Initiative. So tell us what is HitLab and what's that initiative about?
1: Yeah, so HitLab is a... It has three pillars to the organization. It's a research, advisory, and education organization, all focused within the digital health space. Um, Because we've stemmed from Columbia University some 20 years ago, um, we believe in the rigor of academic research and the data collected. Um, so we're scientific-backed, we're evidence-backed, scientific we're, evidence we're data-driven organization where we're really trying to help the startups and the, the com- people within the community of digital health really gather the scientific knowledge needed to advance their technology. So some of the work that we do um, within the research area is uh, providing um, you know, user experience or technical feasibility support. Or in the advisory area helping with startups understand what is their business model or financial modeling Um, and then in the education because educating the general public about technologies is so important Mm -hmm. we we have webinars and and um, we're also partnered with Columbia Business School for a variety of digital health educational
0: programming um, to really just advance the knowledge for everyone awesome and was there like this common thread of a lot of people you were advising or working with were in femtech, and that's why you started this initiative for the women's health tech, but or something else happened?
1: Yeah, no, something else happened. Actually, we were seeing that there was a lack of oh. femtechs that were coming to us, and given that you know, pretty much one hundred percent of our research team is female driven why are we not focusing on women's health? I mean, come on, this is a passion of ours. We all love this. (laughs) And that's really where it stemmed from. Um, Our first challenge was in May 2019. um, And it was started by, um, you know, primarily our marketing team. And then we really grew it from there with the support of Abby and I. And made it into this larger programming, a larger initiative that, that can really have a movement to it, um, and really support the startups through a variety of ways. Uh, and Abby can definitely talk more into like what exactly is Women's Health Tech Initiative.
2: Yeah. So whereas I like to say that HitLab looks at every intersection of health and technology, I like to say that our initiative looks at every intersection of just technology and women's health specifically. Um, So I don't even like to say the term digital health just because some of the most amazing innovation I've seen has been hardware without any software components. Mm -hmm. So we look at hardware, we look at software, a combination of both. Um, Everything really that's just using innovation to look at problems of women's health that either haven't been looked at at in a long time or only have a few solutions and need more or nobody's ever really thought of before Mm -hmm. besides, you know, academic labs. Um, That's probably the most fun thing about working in femtech and specifically, you know, through this lens of our Women's Health Tech Challenge initiative is just getting to talk to all of the uh, amazing startup founders and, and really people who are, are thinking beyond what we have now and what we can do better. Because obviously there's a ton we can do better and a ton that people are looking at. Um, so the Women's Health Tech Initiative really just aims to lend the research and strategy expertise and the rigorous methodology that we use to support the innovators that are doing this work.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you, my understanding is that you have these two pitch competitions every year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And exactly. when you when you told, like, the org- your organization, that <laughs> dog's tail again. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Very happy to hear <laughs> you. I, just, I want everyone to see. He's, he's a big guy. He's just a big guy <laughs> over here banging his tail against the wall. I'm sorry. Come here.
2: Oh my I think, god. honestly, since quarantine, our dogs have gotten so
1: spoiled.
2: Yes.
1: Um, yeah. Like, yes, they yes. just constant attention because they know they can yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, my dog knows the Zoom calls. Uh, he knows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. Yes. That's <laughs> why he's over he here next
0: to me. <laughs> oh my god. Um. <laughs> so uh, we may actually have to edit this episode. We'll see. Uh. So you, you know started this pitch competition, um, May, 2019 was the first one, right? Yeah. And how did you anticipate a lot of applicants? Um, were you worried there weren't going to be a lot of applicants for the pitch competition? Um, and then what ended up happening? How many applicants did you get? Yeah. So in
1: 2019, when we first started, we, you know, it was first year of doing this. We really didn't have that many applicants. Um, but, towards the end of the year we started to get um you know quite a lot um by the end of the year we had about 250 applicants (gasps) apply for the challenge oh my gosh different startups yeah and and the last challenge we had in may we again a similar number where you know we just had so many amazing startups apply that were you know not just like series a b's and c's but then early stage startups and you know really startups that were just starting to really grow their technology develop their mvp and product um so we saw the whole variety um from early stage all the way to series c at this last challenge
0: wow incredible Yeah. yeah so um you know, we're, we're developing programs for ourselves at Femtech Focus and we're partnered mm-hmm. with the Guild and we're launching a like ideation lab for Femtech companies. Um, yeah, and you know, Anne, uh, Anne Coquette from, uh, the Guild, when we first started talking about it, she was like, do you really think we'll have that many applicants? And I was like, yes, we're yes. going to have so many, <laughs> but there definitely mm-hmm. was something in the back of my mind was like, I, I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, you so know, this is good data know. point. <laughs>
2: There, I mean, there are so many people who have, at this point, a lot of people come to us uh, at HitLab with just an idea. Uh-huh. And so part of what we do is really developing that out. Okay, you're in the ideation mm-hmm. stage, and we help them figure out, okay, what is your idea? How is it different? How is it, you know, if you're looking for revenue, how is that model going to sustain um it you know, what issues are you trying to solve? How you know, how can we kind of pull together resources? And so apps, there are so many good ideas out there and a lot of it just requires, you know, mentorship and and resources and experts in building that out. And you know how to do that. Um yeah. so certainly <laughs> that sounds like a really, good. really good idea. <laughs> Definitely needed in the femtech field.
0: Yes. Do you see commonalities between the startups that approach you that are from Femtech? Um yes, I see I see a lot.
2: Uh I think one of one of my favorite commonalities is that we see so many female founders um mm-hmm. and women looking at you know issues about their own bodies or you know kind of the, the larger population. And I, I think that's so exciting because for so long men have been the ones to research and understand women's bodies and tell us how we feel pain or you know what yeah. kinds of women you know that black women feel less pain than yeah. white women and so the conversation needs to be and i think everybody's having this conversation women need to be at the forefront and men need to listen right and to to understand but it's just so exciting to see so many like honestly just smart badass like women who are community oriented in terms of like really being supportive um everyone that i've spoken to in this field in this field in, in femtech kind of Overall, is just looking at solutions that have been neglected for a long time, but but thinking about them in really innovative ways. Mm-hmm. So, just the the amount of just. I'm always just like inspired and blown away when I talk to every founder, just because A, they're just great to talk to, but B, they're doing such amazing work. And so that for me is just really kind of fun to be listening in on.
0: Yeah. I love Um, that this is an industry that we don't have to struggle to find more female founders. Right. So I'm very bullish on more men should actually be in this industry because men should care about it too. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, working in venture, working in accelerators, it was always this underlying like, and how many women are we recruiting? How many women are we investing in? How many were the women making sure it's diverse, diverse, diverse? Yeah. This is like, I don't have to struggle with that. It's literally not yeah. a thought that I have to consider. Because, um, you know, we have seen a lot of women, but then also mm-hmm. a lot of women of color, you know women Mm -hmm. that identify differently and so it's been really really cool to uh not have this like daily challenge my mind about like oh are we diverse enough it's like no we this is great totally and then we can even i
2: mean we don't have to think about you know our diversity ratio in terms of gender or sex and we can that allows us to go deeper and make sure that voices within you know, women or, you know, people who identify as women are, are hurt. And so we're kind of like pulling deeper into the pool. So we, we certainly have, you know, challenges in terms of whose voices are coming to the panel or whose showcase, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: we kind of inherently are able to, to dive deeper than other fields would.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: I know, you know, even thinking uh, through, you know, planning the November challenge that's coming up, um (laughs) thinking through like the november challenge um you know part of what we wanted to focus on was not just female founders but then marginalized communities and how technology is focusing on that area um and that's really something that's relevant to today's socio-justice area um yeah you know and and that's why we wanted to highlight that not just women's
0: health that's right uh, that's right because women's health needs a lot of help but yeah black women's health needs a lot of help brown women's health needs a lot of help right like yeah, poor exactly. women's health needs a lot of help <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> transgendered like transgendered women's of health, health, health needs a lot of help mm-hmm. like there's a lot of yeah. different sections within us right.
1: Exactly. And there's so many health inequalities um not just nationwide but globally and that's something that we're trying to really focus on how can technologies focus help women within these communities and really advance the science there mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. do you have any advice for um you know founders that are in femtech haven't heard of HitLab or your pitch competitions do you have any advice for them as they um look to enroll in your future programs yeah, follow us
1: on all social media. Um, at this point, we're we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, so follow HitLab everywhere. Um, and you know, as we're we're advancing and getting closer to challenge dates, we'll we'll be posting more about women's health tech and the applications mm-hmm. and things of that nature and how other companies can get involved. But then you know, just even outside of women's health, startups can just call us. We're more than happy to speak to any startup and help them in any way um, possible. And we're really not trying to break a startup's bank. We understand a lot of them are bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. And we get it. We get it. Awesome. And we're trying to help them advance their science, not break their bank. Mm-hmm. So we're willing to work with you to really help you.
0: Do you notice uh, like similar challenges that femtech companies have? And do you think there's certain advice that femtech companies need that's unique? I think that
2: building out the evidence base sometimes is hard, um, for companies, because because a lot of these problems just haven't really been looked at, or the yeah. kind of the data is kind of buried deep down. with Maybe one researcher looked at it mm. one time or something like yeah. that. So you know, and then it didn't really go anywhere from there. So even if the evidence is there, we need more. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, you know, the the evidence is required for investors to under a understand the problem and understand why this innovation is is then required to solve it. Um, so a lot of startups come to us, you know, without a ton of funding or they're still bootstrapping And it. Obviously, we want to help them and we do everything we can. It's hard, though, when there isn't a budget for us to be able to help them with the evidence base. So I think there's kind of that chicken and egg situation because we, we want to do the research and we want to help them understand the problem better um, so that they can go get more funding, things mm-hmm. like that. So that's that's one of our, I think, challenges that we see a lot. Um, but. I would also say that because this field just seems to be blossoming and burgeoning, there are, there are more and more resources available. I feel like every day I'm learning about new things. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the next few years, that'll, that, that obstacle, while investment is always going to be an obstacle, getting to that, that part will be easier for femtech companies. Yeah.
0: You know, we have a lot of, um, university students. i listen to this show and graduate Mm -hmm. students who are like, I love femtech, but what am I going to do in it? And, you know, not everyone is the founder personality. Um, Yeah. And so I think it's really interesting, this public health background that y'all have and how that's kind of allowed you to work in the femtech space. Can you speak more about that? Do you think there could be like a femtech uh, public health master's degree or something? (laughs) Yes, yes.
2: Oh my God. (laughs) I think, I think about this a lot because I do have also like a lot of kind of early career people coming to me. How do I get involved? I have an MPH. I saw you have an MPH. And honestly, it wasn't, it wasn't a path that I predicted or kind of, as we talked about in the beginning, I kind of didn't see myself down this, but now that I'm here, it's so exciting and it's such a cool way to be able to incorporate the public health background. And I think at least in my experience, um, Public health programs, educational programs, don't really talk about tech a ton. Um, There isn't a lot of talk about innovation um, Mm. through technology, more so like, you know, really smart programming or smart interventions based on science. But technology is kind of lacking, at least when we talk about it or learn about it. So I, I think there could be an entire track devoted to, you know, public health innovation Um, certainly femtech. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. I tell everyone who who asks now is the perfect time to be getting into femtech. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in terms of um, startups, one of the harder things about people with research and programming backgrounds is that startups need marketing, design, engineers, sales. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily need research right away. Mm -hmm. So um, I think being able to hone in really on like UX is the best way for people who understand, you know, po- the populations, who understand the user. I think that's kind of one of the best ways for people with MPH is to kind of navigate through FemTech. Um, but certainly there's a route. And I think as the field grows, the opportunities for people with this innate understanding of, of healthcare and health
1: systems will grow as well. Yeah, I mean, just echoing what Abby said, I think if they really want to get involved in the femtech space, just reach out to femtech. Um, Mm -hmm. Early stagers need the support, they need the extra hands. And if you have that time to volunteer, and really want to get into the weeds and get that experience, just volunteer your time, you know, and they could use your support in a variety of ways. And you know, it's okay not having that marketing background, you know, but mm-hmm. you have social media background. Everyone in our age does, yep, you know. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that alone is enough of a support to help a early stage startup, you know, get up and going.
0: Totally. Um,
1: and and you'll learn so much hands on. It's amazing, you know, and you'll see the entire product life cycle through that way.
0: Totally. Yeah, we've been thinking about like, can we make a femtech hackathon in a box? Right. So <laughs> um, University of Houston had a, you know, three day femtech hackathon challenge last year. And wow. um, it was the first of its kind. And I was a mentor at it. And it was so much fun. It was so cool. And four of our interns now were all in that challenge, right? And so mm-hmm. they got oh, cool. fired up because of this hackathon, and now they're like, "We want careers in femtech." And so, <laughs> I, you know, Dr. Julie and I were like, "Can we make like a hackathon in a box?" You know, <laughs> like and license this out to universities to like ignite a lot more people because I think once people learn about what femtech is, they're like, "This is amazing! Like, I want to do yeah. this," you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean now now in
2: pandemic I think I've learned that anything is possible to do virtually or yeah. package in ways that yep. <laughs> so you could totally do that and that's an amazing idea. I think I think although sometimes people struggle with the term femtech, I like it because it it really does mm-hmm. kind of like package at least a lot, if not everything, mm-hmm. of, of what we talk about yeah. when we talk about femtech. Um I think one of the struggles, especially in terms of getting started in femtech, is that if you Google it you know, a job search will come up. Did you mean FinTech? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I did not. So it's, you know, just like this awareness of what femtech is, I was talking to um, Abby Cuffy, who's an editor at Women's Health Magazine. And she's like, Oh, yeah, we've done a few articles on femtech." But you know, I was, we were talking about how women's health, you know, as a, you know, magazine, or, you know, a, a channel that people come to for information about women's health, so they've done you know some work on women's health innovation but they can do more and uh-huh. so I think as and they're planning to um I think as the word femtech and the idea of, of what it is becomes more popular it'll mm-hmm. be easier to become involved because then you know job descriptions will have femtech on it or yes will as femtech companies so yes. you actually know what you're yeah. talking about when you talk about femtech yeah um I think I learned what femtech was through talking to people you know and really being able to like hone my definition of what that was through just these types of conversations
0: that's right yeah a few months ago I was on Indeed and I was like I wonder what femtech jobs are out there and I put femtech and it was like zero and I was like Indeed yeah. I literally yeah. gave you a global <laughs> search filter yeah <laughs> and, and it's
2: not true but it it's was like the, the, you know like fintech or edtech or yep, yep, yep. tech like they exist right yep. they mm-hmm. exists for people who know about it um and people are starting to know about it more but th- i think the more that we talk about it yeah um, you know,
0: the fun-tecker. seo will go up it'll go up
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or our iphones will just be hearing us and
0: <laughs> <laughs> come on facebook come on listen up <laughs> exactly <laughs> well um this has been super awesome. We have two last questions for you that our listeners love. The first one is, um, you know, we have a lot of aspiring founders that listen and they want to know what areas in women's health and wellness still need innovating. So what do you think? What are, what's an area that still could use some help?
2: Yeah, we talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the the short answer is everything, Um uh, <laughs> everywhere it yeah. still use help. Um, some some areas that I've been particularly interested in, especially in having conversations with founders, as the nature of, of the work that we do, um, one area is abortion. We see uh, a yes. lot of like innovation in fertility and yes. pregnancy and yes. having healthy, successful yes. pregnancies, and um, that's so important. We don't want that to change. We want that. We want that innovation to keep keep going at the at the lightning speed it is. Um, but we don't have a lot out there. For abortion, and that's that's also a basic, you know, healthcare right and human right. Absolutely. And so, I've seen one company looking at this so far, Um, but also given the inequity when it comes to abortion in our country, specifically, you know, uh, low socioeconomic status women or you know, women living in rural areas, we need so much more access to abortion um it it comes into play like we were talking about before um you know the maternal mortality rates of black women in this country all of that isn't you know can is linked to access to these basic reproductive needs so i think abortion is a um is somewhere where we need help (laughs) and telehealth is like the perfect kind of portal to that mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see you know what this one company is doing and also you know where the field can take this further um, another area that I think a lot about is pelvic pain mm-hmm. um, because you know there are some companies out there who are trying to understand it better high IV health is one of them um, I just spoke to the founder of Alty recently she's looking at chronic pain and then how that affects pelvic pain specifically but we really just science Science academia don't really understand pelvic pain all that well, mm-hmm. um, and it's the you know one of the kind of most common symptoms for PCOS endometriosis. A lot of you know really important women's health issues that affect so many people, um, and if we understood pelvic pain better, perhaps we could understand those those issues better as well. So those those are two that I've been thinking about a lot, um, and. You know, hopefully, I'm excited to see where the field takes it. But right now, we definitely need more innovation there.
0: Abby, I love the abortion thing. If I could just talk on that for one second, because (laughs) um, I've been going to all these conferences for women's health and wellness, and I have yet to see an abortion panel. And I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm kind of upset about it, honestly, because I think the statistic in the United States is one in four women have an abortion. And so I was going to
2: say, you know, someone who has, who's had an abortion, you know, yeah. you know. And I'm like, we're <laughs> yeah. having
0: like all these panels about like the big market size. And I'm like, we're we're not talking about the elephant in the room, y'all. OK, so we don't mm-hmm. need to talk about whether you want one yourself or not or when and how it's allowed to happen. But like, for yeah. God's sake, it should at least be safe. Um, and mm-hmm. right. you know, I'm obviously get very passionate about this and, you know, 100%. and I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm willing totally here on record. Like I've had an abortion, I've had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was a horrible experience, horrible, yeah. horrible, yeah. horrible experience. So when I hear people say like, well, I'm, you know, I'm pro-choice, but I don't think people should, you know, use it as a form of uh, birth control. I'm like, I promise you. Ain't nobody no, going no to the abortion clinic every Friday night for their weekly abortion. No all right, one. let me tell you, it's a horrible experience. Okay, yeah, you know that's
1: just the problem. It's such a stigmatized topic, especially in our nation. That. No one feels comfortable talking about it yes. because we don't talk about it. No one is aware of all of the variety of reasons women go for. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And because of that, it's we're not seeing innovation. We're not seeing any advancement in science in that space. And, and, because parts of our nation do need support in that abortion having a telehealth programming or a technology that really connects women that need this sort of resource is extremely important Mm -hmm. i think more than fertility you know tech right now this needs to be looked at. Yeah. Because
0: um. we talk all the time about like birth control, like causing all these symptoms. So you have to change birth control. So I got pregnant mm-hmm. because I was changing my birth control because I was having mm-hmm. symptoms from one. And as I was mm-hmm. transitioning, I got pregnant in the middle, you know? And it was like, damn, I'm trying to do everything I can, you know? And so it's mm-hmm. like, if we're going to have a conversation about birth control and symptoms, like this is a symptom, right? Like yeah. getting pregnant yeah, is, is a symptom because you're switching. I'm so ready to
2: move past the conversation of whether or not women should be allowed to
0: have one,
2: <laughs> yes. have access to one. And like let's just talk about yes. how to get, how to get it to them, yes, how to make it yes, safe. Yes. they're gonna. I mean, I think this is also where the public health background comes into play. We know statistically based on evidence and science, women are going to have, women are going to have abortions. Yep. They have been having since the beginning of time. Yep. How can we make it safe? How can we, you know, have it under the care of a doctor yep. And how less do, shitty, and it? less
0: shitty experience, you know? And I felt like experience. I was a cattle, yeah. like I was in line for my next thing. It was like horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the after effects of it as well, yeah. right? The yes. mental health
1: support needed yes. for Yes. The overall lifestyle and well-being support needed for it. there's There's an entire patient journey that's
0: overlooked. That's that right, because I didn't be feel involved. like I could go to you know I was in college at the time I didn't feel like I could go to class and be like oh I need you know can I have a you know break on this assignment I just had an abortion right like I couldn't Mm -hmm. talk about it you know like I didn't even tell my younger sister at the time thinking back and it was just because it was even a secret within our own roof you know and so I I was just watching
2: mm I just watched that show I watched it a lot called Little Fires Everywhere um with Reese Witherspoon and um Carrie uh, Washington and anyway I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it and don't want to get too <laughs> spoiler talked. alert okay. there's there's a whole like um piece on abortion at some point and they actually I don't even I don't even think they say the word they might say it one mm. time and like it's that ingrained yes. in society to not talk about it no. that like a show that has a scene about it like barely even speaks yeah. about what's going on but you like inherently know what's happening yeah. and I think that's like symbolic of larger like yes. it's happening anyway yeah um femtech like has has the the smarts the resources uh, we just need to keep talking about let's it let's do it and it's it, within sexual reproductive health i think that's mm. one area that i don't
0: hear about Oof. Yeah. i'm thanks for the five minutes <laughs> Me <talking Anytime>. about. <laughs> oh man Um, Our last question is, what do you think the femtech industry as a whole needs the most right now in order to be successful?
1: More innovators.
0: (laughs) More innovators. I
1: think think there needs to be more women empowered to innovate and be entrepreneurs and take on, you know, different femtech topics and target chronic disease, target mental health, target abortion health, you know? Um, Be empowered to be an innovator and really explore what's out there. I love it. Yeah.
2: I would say on top of that, um, just education, uh, you know, within the larger, you know, educating investors, but also educating ourselves, educating Mm -hmm. even people who are in femtech. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, the first time I really learned about pelvic organ prolapse, which affects 50% of women was at one of our women's health tech challenges when our um, winner was looking at ways to innovate the pessary.
1: Yeah.
2: And, I had never heard about that
0: in my life. Yeah. Um,
2: and, you know, and that affects half of women. So and we're leaders just, in
0: femtech, right? Like my listeners yeah. know every episode, I'm like, really? That's happening yeah. in the world? And I'm a freaking leader in this industry, right? So yeah, yeah totally. Exactly. And
2: so I, I'm so, I am I feel so strongly that we need to like, I mean, this goes back to the conversation, but like demystifying our own bodies, understanding them better Understanding what's going to happen to them mm-hmm. as we age, and and mm-hmm. how we can empower ourselves. So I think that starts with um, like femtech having the capacity to educate people about why these issues are even important. And oftentimes, when we look at um, applications for our women's health tech challenge, part of that struggle is inherent because if you a lot of these conditions or you know problems that we're looking at, they seem specific, and they seem like maybe they don't affect that many women. If you if you know you have trouble framing it, but realistically, we can totally make an argument that this is this is important, and here's why, and here's how many women it affects. But I yeah. think educating and framing these issues as something um, that truly represents why they're important is is a struggle, and something that I think
0: we need to continue to work on. That's right. Well, when is your next challenge, and when should people apply for it? Yep. So our next challenge is November nineteenth, Women's Entrepreneurship
2: Day. Um, We will be calling all innovators who work at any intersection of women's health and technology. Uh, We're hoping that our application will be out by the end of the summer. So definitely look on LinkedIn and our website. Um, We're hoping to have that out in the next few weeks. Awesome. Um, Yeah. And definitely reach out to HitLab with any questions about our women's health tech initiative, the services that we can offer the femtech field.
0: Um, And you'll be hearing hopefully more on that in the coming weeks. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you, ladies, so much for your time today. This has been awesome. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for
2: having (laughs) us. Yeah, this was fun.
0: (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Abby Stern and Savira Duggar, manager and director, respectively, of the Women's Health Initiative at HitLab. If you're a femtech startup, be sure to apply for the Women's Health Initiative Challenge on November 19th And apply by October 19th and you could potentially win $10,000 amongst other amazing prizes. You can apply for the competition at hitlab.org. And speaking of October 19th, that's also the day of our Vagina 101 podcast listening party at 4 p.m. Central. Register on our website, femtechfocus.org. And while you're there... Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on social. Until next time, Fem fans, keep innovating because improving women's health and wellness improves everyone's health and wellness.